Hello, everybody. This is Mark Vines, and welcome to The Mark Vines Show. And just welcome to your one-stop shop for everything conservative, patriotic, liberty, freedom, and frankly, just the American way. So I wanted to do a podcast today and bring back my good old friend, Frank Runnels, from the podcast Lies People Tell, and discuss some of the events that we've had in the last month or so. It's been a while since I did a podcast. Life has gotten very, very busy, and I think it's going to get even busier as we move along. But wanted to get everybody up to date on what's been happening here in the Commonwealth of Virginia and around the United States in general, and give you our perspective on all of this. So with that, I want to just maybe... Uh, start off with talking about uh, a brief up update here on the Commonwealth of Virginia because I do believe that this is going to be the compass that is pointing towards the midterm elections that's coming up, and it's not looking good for the Democrats, at least not so far. But before we get to that, I want to introduce to you once again our friend and ally in this fight for getting America back on track, and that's Frank Reynolds. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. So, Frank, we had this month an election here in the great Commonwealth of Virginia. And as we know, Virginia has been a blue state, a deep blue state for quite some time, which was surprising because years ago, the Virginia was a reliably Republican state. But things changed, didn't it, this last month? Uh, yeah, yeah, they did. Uh we had uh, the top three uh, elected positions in the Commonwealth of Virginia, the governor, lieutenant governor, and attorney general all uh, flipped over to Republicans. And honestly, of the three, I'm the most excited about this attorney general uh, position because the guy they had in there, uh, Mark Herring, was just an absolute abomination oh, he was as the awful. attorney general. Yeah. And the people forget that the attorney general sometimes has much more influence on our our lives as individuals in the state than even the governor and especially the lieutenant governor. They're more figureheads in many ways. The AG can really put uh, uh, you know the the screws to people in a state, and they can push very uh, damaging agendas uh, that hurt everybody. So I'm pretty excited about all three. Yeah, and I'll tell you something else, too. That's a position that's not talked about a whole lot here in Virginia is the number three position. And, of course, the other uh, position, other than governor itself, and, and congratulations to Governor-elect Yunkin, but was the number two position, our uh, lieutenant governor. How about that? Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean. Well, I mean, Winsome Sears is an awesome, awesome, uh, uh, not only candidate, but elected official now. And uh, what a great backstory she has. And she's so smart and so articulate. Uh, and she, you know, she really, I think, is going to be a future face of the Republican Party because she's so articulate uh, and she calls BS for BS. She calls them out on their race division and critical race theory nonsense and segregating people based on their skin color. She calls them out on it, and they really – you know, the, they don't know what to do, so their head explodes and they start calling her a white supremacist. And it's like, uh, you have seen a picture of her, right? And she's a Marine Corps veteran. And yeah. um, she immigrated here to the United States and, uh, you know, did it the right way, got her citizenship, yeah. and then served in the United 
United States Marine Corps, which is what my father-in-law did. My father-in-law joined the United States Navy from the Philippines after the you know after the Second World War, and that was a way to uh, get to the United States. And that's you know it's kind of a similar path that she took, and it's a very admirable path. And and uh, you know she she has been serving the nation and the Commonwealth for quite some time now, and in, in just a fantastic way. Yeah, she was. Uh, she immigrated from Jamaica, and uh, she's in addition to serving the Marines, uh, serving our country as a non-citizen. Uh, then she got her citizenship, but she uh, was a successful business owner up in Winchester, uh, and she she's got the goods, you know. And unlike Kamala, she's actually got the goods, you know. And you know. This is definitely a step in the right direction with the Commonwealth. And I am happy that you and I both, Frank, had contributed in our small way to helping further the agenda and helping some of the candidates that you and I both interviewed, you know, leading up to the election. Not all of them got elected, um, but I got to tell you, they all put in the good fight. And and if you're listening to this podcast and you're somebody that we interviewed and, and you ran and you did not win your position, just know that you gave it the good fight. Some of you were in very, very difficult districts to win. But I my hat is off to you. You got in the fight. You got in the ring. Uh, mm-hmm. you, you did things that other people wouldn't do. And I'm going to say this. I live in Fairfax County. In my understanding of the numbers, and those of you that are numbers nerds, you can go back and, and look this up, but uh, in Fairfax County, which is deep, deep, deep blue, if you're not familiar with Fairfax County, in the last gubernatorial election, there was only about 15% of the vote went to Republicans. My understanding is it was closer to 35, which is still not enough. Uh, we still need to do better than that, but that's a big jump, isn't it, Frank? 15 to 35. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, uh, and, and, and particularly this kind of an area. It just shows you how <clears throat> fed up people are. Even, even, even crazy liberals up in Fairfax and Loudoun County. Uh, he didn't win, but he certainly made uh, gains in those both of those counties. And it just shows how far to the left the the party had gone. That they the, even diehard uh, liberals there saying this is crazy. I can't even vote for this anymore. So uh, it, it bodes well in that respect, but. Uh, the other thing people need to remember is that this still was a bit of a squeaker of a of a uh, win, and it should have been if if common sense would have prevailed, which unfortunately it doesn't in Northern Virginia. But if common sense, uh, Youngkin should have walked away with this thing uh, with no problem. Yeah, yeah. Hey, but you know what? A W is a W <laughs> at the end of the day. Yeah. yeah we got a W it, on the board, is. and we're going to take it. And and uh, I'll tell you what, Virginia has turned so blue that I it was a squeaker, and I'm absolutely with you. But it it's just such a good feeling knowing that we're, we're moving. We're at least trending. You know, a lot of people use, like to use that term trending. We're trending in the right direction. Let's put it that way. Well, let me rain on everybody's parade a little, little bit because that's what I do. Everyone <laughs> needs to remember, yeah, we, we may have won. We got a W, uh, but we wouldn't have had that W if, A, McAuliffe hadn't screwed up in the debate about the yeah. parents shouldn't have a right with the, you know, with the education of their kids, and, B, if Loudoun and Fairfax County, especially Loudoun County, the school boards hadn't acted in such outrageous manners. If those two things hadn't happened, I don't know that Youngkin would have won. 
So we need to keep in mind that, uh, uh, yeah, we won, but we could have lost that very easily. And the second thing is, is just like in New Jersey, the difference between New Jersey and Virginia, New Jersey, they figured out how many votes they needed to cheat on to win. Uh, with Virginia, there were so many eyes on it, and I think they overestimated what McAuliffe would get, so they just didn't have enough ready-made absentee ballot votes to drop to make up the difference. I, I know people think, oh, you know what I mean? How can you, you say that uh, there was that much cheating going on? I say it because I believe there was that much cheating going on. They just yeah. didn't cheat enough. Yeah, and, and, and I'm still in that, that camp, too, where uh, I, I do not think this last election, a presidential election, I, there there was still a lot that was not addressed. And for those of you that, for those of you that say the courts have ruled against that and found no evidence, that, that is, that's going to be another show for another time. The courts did not find that. Not hearing a case is very different than making conclusions regarding a case. They just chose not to hear the case, which is very, very different. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's the thing other people, we always talk about, and I've said it in the past, too, is sometimes the, the most important thing a a president can do is appoint Supreme Court justices. And Trump was able to do three. And the pressure, the amount of pressure put on the judges in the court between the Democrats and the media, and I know they're one and the same, is such that the, those three judges of uh, of that Trump appointed were basically uh, they were mute. They were just like, I ain't gonna get in the middle of this fight, you know. And uh, I'm sorry, I mean, if we'd had the same Supreme Court in 2000, Al Gore would have been a two-term president, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know. And that's how that's how how little uh, that's how ineffective our court has become under the leadership of John Roberts, a Bush appointee, I might add. Well, and I'll tell you something else, too, that, that happened in in Virginia is this. Yes, there was a lot of media attention put on Loudoun County and the school board situation. And yes, McAuliffe screwed up royally in the debate, which is kind of amazing for as long as this guy's been in politics and he's been part of that Clinton mob machine that he would make such a rookie mistake, and that that was really a rookie mistake. However, what I am going to say about all of that is there was no uh, crisis that was generated per se. Now, let me explain that here for a minute, because you're going to say, no, there was a crisis. But, But what I mean by that was the Democrats were doing what they do all along. They've been pushing critical race theory. They've been pushing... Um, the Marxist leanings of our educational system, not just in Virginia, but nationwide. This this was not a, a, a crisis in and of itself. What I mean by it was McAuliffe just spoke out loud what was really going on and frankly has been going on because we actually know in Virginia that critical race theory didn't just start recently. It, it actually started when he was governor the first time, because if you're not from Virginia, you may not know this, but McAuliffe was already governor once of Virginia. And during that term, he started quietly the critical race theory push that we have in our educational system. He just openly spoke about it this time, which was a mistake. But what this points out to me is that Republicans took an issue that the the Democrats have been pushing and highlighted it 
and began to fight in ways that the Democrats do on a regular basis. And I know Frank and I both have talked to you, our audience, about this, that Republicans need to get into the And they need to understand that Democrats fight, and they fight hard. That's one of the things I've always respected about them, that it's party unity. And they fight, and they fight, and they fight. And they uh, push it. They're in it to win it every single time. We are not always in it to win it. But this time around... Because of some of the things that McAuliffe said, the push went on in the fight, and we demonstrated that when we come together as a party and fight the way that they do, we achieve victories, Frank. We do when we come together. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah absolutely. I mean, the problem is, is uh, what do we call – what do I call the Republican – oh, yeah, the, the stupid party because, <laughs> you know, we're stupid. We can't – well, I mean, look. How many, we had, uh, what was it, 13 Republicans vote for this infrastructure bill? Honestly, every one of them should be primaried and voted out of office. Because this infrastructure bill, they're like, well, it'll help my district. Yeah, but it screws the entire country. And I know you're supposed to represent your district, but honestly, if you're going to you know, to get a few shekels for your district so you can get reelected, but you put the, the country, this country on the path to socialism, I mean, way down the path to socialism, then you're disqualified as far as I'm concerned. You know, because you are, again, a, you, you are a, in the House, uh, you're in the United States House of Representatives, guys. Yes, you're right. representing your district, but all in all, you should be representing your district as it relates to how your district fits into the rest of the United States and the nation. That's what you should be looking at. Right. And, you know, you have such weak leadership in the Republican Party. Uh, what's it? McCarthy, Representative McCarthy, uh, who wants to be the Speaker of the House and probably will be. I mean, honestly, I've seen uh, sock puppets that had uh, more backbone than that guy. And then you got Mumbles McConnell in the Senate, the, the murder turtle, uh, honestly, he's in. I don't know who's in China's pocket more, him or, or Biden. I mean, uh, when they're going to be in charge, I mean, sorry, I'm, I'm hard pass as far as I'm concerned. Yes, we need to come together, but yes, we need to get better people. Yes, we in do. There. Yes, we do. And, and there were some the really key. good candidates. And, and Frank, you and I both uh, interviewed some good candidates for the House of Delegates. And, and I actually think a couple of those individuals, and I've told them to their face, I think have a bright uh, a future in the party. Gina Ciarcia is one of them. I really, really was impressed with uh, Gina Ciarcia, and I know you were as well, Frank. And I think she's got a bright future in the party if she chooses to do. I don't know that she's going to choose to go that route, but I would support her. If, if she did, because you know, we have good people out there. We just need to encourage the good people to run. Yeah, exactly. That's um, exactly right. So th this is good. So we have uh, the top three billets uh, in, in the Commonwealth. We have the House of Delegates. You know, the Senate is another issue, but at least this is a, a step in, in the right direction. And by the way, um, I just have to say, I am so glad that Terry McAuliffe did not win. I don't know if you heard his speech, uh, you know, after the election. It just what an ungracious guy. I, Frank, has, did he ever publicly thank all of his supporters? And he, uh, as far as I know, he did not reach out to Youngkin and congratulate him on his win. Am I wrong about that or has he? Because I don't recall that. 
I don't know. Uh, I didn't. I, it's McAuliffe. I don't listen to him. So yeah. I, I don't. I, <laughs> oh, what did I, I say, McConnell? I, I meant McAuliffe. Excuse uh, me. McAuliffe. Yeah, I, I don't know if he he thanked anybody or not. Uh, I, I look at it like uh, I didn't listen to him when I thought he was going to win. I certainly didn't listen to him after he lost. So yeah, I don't know. Uh, just what a he's he's not a good person. Let's let's just put it that way. And you know he he's not a Virginian, and you don't. Uh, I don't see him going around even championing uh, Virginia causes. I mean, do, do you see it when he's not running for office? Do you ever see him or hear from him or uh, hear, you know, I, he's he's a political opportunist. That's that's what he is. And good riddance to him, Terry McAuliffe, you know, please don't come back to Virginia again and, and let us go, go get this. What is a great state? Virginia is a great state, and uh, we, we need to get back to, to where it once was. But leading into that, Frank, um, if on the national scene and and I don't want to uh, under I don't want to uh, downplay New Jersey because New Jersey had its own uh, set of issues that should worry the Democrats because that should not have been close at all and it was a very very close election with uh, the governors and there was a lot of house seats that were taken that that really took the uh, Democrats off guard and I, I think if more attention had been paid uh, to New Jersey during the election I, I think some of those seats, could have been turned as well, but that's another that's another issue, and and we're not even in Virginia or in New Jersey. So, uh, but it is a, a an area of concern. So we are now moving on to the next thing, which is the midterm elections. And so, Frank, looking forward, what do you think? What happened in New Jersey and Virginia? Uh, how what does that mean? Do, do do you see looking into your crystal ball? What what can we expect in twenty twenty two? I think we can expect uh, that the Democrats are going to. Uh, here's what happens. This this is what happens. You have these off year elections like uh, New Jersey and Virginia, and then you have the midterms, and then you have the presidential. All right. So the off year is to to sort of uh, get the. It's like pre training camp, you know. Yeah, and you're sort of getting getting everything lined up, and then you have your midterms. Now you're learning. Now you're like taking the lessons learned from your off year and using those for midterms. So the the level of cheating and skullduggery in the midterms will be probably higher. Yeah, and that's the midterms is truly the the practice uh, time for the presidential. So what do I think going to happen in the midterm? I think there's going to be a lot more. Uh, I think there's going to be a lot more Patriots running this time in the midterms than we've had probably in our lifetime, Patriots being former military and such as that. I think you're going to see a lot of those guys. I think you're going to see a lot more uh, common uh, people, mom and dad type of people that are going to be getting involved with uh, elections at all different levels, you know, at the state, local, school board, whatever. I think you're going to see a lot more of that. Uh, I think, I, you know, it's going to be, I believe it probably will be a red, a red wave because the Democrats took the lessons from Virginia and New Jersey and said, hey, every policy that we've proposed, everyone hates. You know what we should do? They just don't know how good it is. So we're going to make, we're going to double down and force everybody to deal with our policies. And they'll start loving it someday. <laughs> okay, you, you you keep doing that. You keep doing that. That's like 
every time you stick my hand in the fire and it burns it, you're telling me, no, no, no. You're, the next time, you, you're going to feel much better. It, no, it really won't. You just you didn't know? leave so it in the fire long it. enough. Right. So keep. they need to keep doing this and because their policies suck. I mean, their co- policies are just so bad. Normal people, even liberals, like I said, in Fairfax County, are rolling their eyes saying, you got to be kidding me. I mean, really, you can't, you know, you can't expect this to put up for this. So I think they're going to, there's going to be a red wave. But the question is, after the red wave, are we going to have a situation where we control the House and the Senate? Like the first years of Trump, we had the House, the Senate, and the White House. What did we get done? Well, uh, they started the Mueller investigation. And that's about it. So if we can't do better than that, I know, I know, uh, you know, uh, we all want to be cheerleaders for conservatism and all this stuff. And I am, but we also have to be realistic. Like just cause we win, you know, that's just step one. There's a whole lot of steps after this. After we win, we got to know how to use power, wield power. Sometimes in wielding power in this political environment means crushing your enemies. Mm-hmm. And we don't, we always like, well, well, we don't do that. Yeah, we probably should, you know what I mean? And punishing people like Kinzinger and Cheney and those guys, the ones that voted against or for this infrastructure or voted uh, for the January 6th thing, they need to be crushed. They need to be crushed. Their their whole livelihood needs to be, they have to be forced to go be shills for MSNBC, which is fine, or CNN, because no one will ever see him again. It's the same as going to witness protection program. Well, and guys, and what we're talking about is politically, okay? We're talking about how they need to be segregated out of the party because Liz Cheney and Kinzinger, these are not Republicans. I they I know they have an R behind their name, and that that's something that seems to be unique to the Republican Party. You never, I, you don't have Democrats that, that are Democrat, really Republicans pretending to be Democrats. It doesn't it doesn't work that way. They don't do that. But we seem to have those in the Republican Party where there's an R behind their name, but otherwise you don't recognize them at all as being Republicans. And that's exactly what these people are. And I, I'm getting a little tired of reading articles about um, whenever any poly, it doesn't even have to be the infrastructure bill. It can be anything where, uh, oh, look, the you know even the Republicans support President Biden on this issue, and it's always the same people. Uh, Liz Cheney will always be uh, the you know look Republican Liz Cheney agrees with President Biden on you know name the initiative and listen Liz Cheney does not represent me. I know she doesn't represent you, Frank, and frankly she doesn't represent any of the Republicans. So let's just call her for what she is. She's a uh, an undercover. Democrat is what she is, and that just right. needs to be exposed. And when Republicans get back in power, and I'm with you, I, th- I think that the Republicans are going to get back in power. Then she needs to be pushed to the sideline. Um, you know, well, yeah. you need to go well, hang out I mean, with your friends over there. You need to. We're, this is like high school, and we're in the lunchroom, and you need to go. You know, go sit with the other kids at that table over there. That's what you need to do. Well, the Republican Party of uh, Wyoming has uh, stripped her, they stripped her of the de- as a designation as being a Republican. They do not consider her a member of the Wyoming Republican Party. <laughs> so there you go. That's her state. And they say, yeah, you're, we don't even consider you a Republican. So, so the rest of know, the House needs that. to do the same thing. Right, exactly. So, yeah, well. So, yeah. 
Interesting that, that, times. That's where I'm at. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I agree with you 100%. I, I really do. Um, now, I guess, you know, what about now? I think as we move into the midterms and people are going to be positioning themselves for, as you mentioned, rightly so, you have the off year election, then you have the midterm elections, and then, but everything points towards the general election, which is the presidential election. And uh, more and more talk, and you're, you're already starting to, to see some, you know, rumblings about, you know, who needs to emerge. And, and but, uh, you know, although I have to say, I don't, I haven't really heard the Democrats talk about who is going to be their leader. I mean, it's obviously not going to be Joe Biden. Um, Kamala Harris is more unpopular. If, the, if that's even possible, for, well, you know what? Let's just talk about that for a minute. Let's just talk about that for a minute. How in the hell can any human being be, be human being in politics be more unpopular than Joe Biden? Kamala Harris seems to be able to do that. Explain that to me. Well, let me let me, let me put it like this. Let's contrast and compare. It turns out that this uh, rose bomb. Uh, the the child rapist that was killed by uh, Kyle Rittenhouse uh, has a higher popularity rating than uh, Biden and Kamala. Now that should tell you something. Right Is that there, true? Right? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <But>. <laughs> you, you know what? Well, I, I can tell you this: Kyle Rittenhouse is more popular than Biden or yeah. Kamala Harris combined. That's for sure. For, oh for my sure. goodness! Well, I mean, it's it's becoming painfully clear that uh, everyone known Biden is just a placeholder. And I, I've always said that if he lasts more than a year, I'd be shocked. And uh, they're, they're thinking uh, Obama picked Kamala as uh, Biden's running mate. There's no doubt in my mind, this is Obama's pick. And they never really took the time to say, but can she do the job? And now they got her on the job and they're like, uh, wow, she really can't do the job. She really is unpopular. She's one of these ones that she, and we've all worked with them in our life where they talk a good game. Uh, they look the part somewhat, but they never ever accomplish anything. Anytime there's hard work to be done, they always have a reason why they can't be there. They got to go do something else or whatever. You know what I mean? But when it comes time for the big splash, the big roundup or the credits handed out, they always need, manage to elbow their way to the front of the stage, you know what I mean, to bask in the glory because they want their name attached to big things as long as they don't have to do them. And I, that's where I see her at. She, she wants to be VP, uh, and she says, well, you know, they just haven't been giving me enough high-profile stuff to so I look good. Okay, but uh, the border is pretty high profile, and you've done what with that? Uh, and uh, the there was a couple of other different things she was doing. She's done nothing with any of the projects given her because she's not about the work. She's about getting credit for being Kamala Harris. That's what she's always done her whole career. Her whole political career has been based on, a, I'm Kamala Harris. I'm a black female. And they're all like, well, good enough. Good enough, because this is what identity politics gets you. Yeah. And, you know, I think America is past that stage. Americans, for all the alleged systemic racism that we have in identity politics, Americans have put a black man in office, and now we have uh, is president, and then we have a black woman in the office as vice president. Okay, you're there. So let we so we're done. We're done with that argument. 
Now let's see what you can do. And that's well, the part where she fails. She just fails in that regard. I, I don't I don't know that you know this, but if, if everyone listens to uh, my latest episode of Lies People Tell that comes out on Monday, you'll hear me talking about the fact that Kamala was actually the president of the United States for 85 minutes. She was the first black female president of the United States. Did you know that? You know what, Frank? That is a very, very good point. And I've not... Yeah. You know what? You are absolutely you correct now that you point that and out. The, and I've, I, don't, and I don't know that I've seen anything in the press on that. So congratulations, Kamala. C- congratulations, you were the why. first black female president of the United States. Now, um, well, I, the re- I, reason why, hey, Mike, yeah, go ahead. Do you want to know the reason why she why? was the president? Why is that? Because Biden was getting a colonoscopy. Ooh. Okay. Yeah. So you know what that? So you know what that means? That uh, means the first time in the Biden presidency, he hasn't been completely full of crap. <laughs> It is so, that is so true. (laughs) That is so true. And I'm looking at the Babylon Bee right now, and there's a headline. Oh, no, 85,000 Trump ballots found inside Biden's colon. So, you know, you got that. Oh, my gosh. You got to love the Babylon Bee. Oh, (laughs) I'm not sure. You know, it's supposed to be a spoof, but I'm not. Sometimes I'm not sure if that's a spoof, though. I I think there's a lot of truth to a lot of truth to what they say. But let me ask you this. What do you think is because they keep floating these trial balloons and those are trial balloons about, you know, Harris's unpopularity and the possibility of being maybe uh, certainly not selected for 2024, but maybe even be removed before then. Mm. What do you think are the possibilities of something like that happening? And they're trying to push boot edge edge, uh, the mayor of South Bend, Indiana, as being the heir apparent. I mean, talk about doubling down on stupid. I mean, Christ Almighty, you got uh, Kamala Harris, who's a zero, and then you get Boot Edge Edge, who is a zero and he's uh, and incredibly short. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, I mean <laughs> guy, he looks like Alfred E. Newman without the gap in the teeth. How, I mean, how tall is come he? Come on. Uh, maybe five, five. He looks like the knees. I think he has to get a milk carton to, to reach the microphone most of the time. Oh, well, I can't, like pick, I can't pick on like him there. If I have many more back surgeries, like, I'll be, I'll, that'll be my height too. But, but he looks like he's wearing his dad's suit, you know? I mean, but the, the point is, is the guy's a zero. Mm-hmm. He's a zero. And the Republic, uh, the Democrats look around and said, our bench is so thin, so, so deep that we have to turn to boot edge edge. The mayor of South Bend? Well, my God, why the, why, isn't there a, a dog catcher around somewhere that they could elevate to the position? I and mean, his Lord. also his performance with this whole transportation crisis. I mean, good God. You know, I, I, for the Democrats that are listening, and I know there are, there are Democrats that listen to this, uh, is there, um, do you all need to talk to somebody? I, I mean, do you need some counseling? Because I don't, I don't understand your knack for taking the most incompetent people and elevating them to the top of your party. I, like, am I missing something? Um, Cause I don't get it. This guy, uh, yeah. Buttigieg, uh, and not only when he was called out on how, how he mishandled this whole transportation crisis, he doubled down on it. And that's the Democrat way right now is every time you're questioned well, about something that you're clearly doing wrong, you just say, well, it went wrong because we didn't do enough of it. So we're going to do more of whatever that was. 
Well, he was on paternity leave. Uh, did you know that? Yeah, I did. I, yeah, I did, but you know what? But I've also been in Washington long enough, and Frank, you've been in Washington long enough to know. Uh, and for those of you that don't live in Washington, and you're not around the the, the central federal government, um, let me clue you in on something. You're never really on leave. I know he was on paternity leave. I, I got that. But uh, one of the the part of the the bane of our existence, me and Frank both, is is an FBI agent. You're you're never away. You're you're always on your phone. You're always doing things. You're working. Cap- Believe it or not, even when you're on leave, you know you're answering calls. You're you're running informants. You're doing that. And if you're in one of those cabinet positions or one of those top positions in the government, you know you're really never on leave. You, you know you actually are running your agency from your house. And so I know Buttigieg is going to say, "Hey, look, I was on paternity leave for six weeks or whatever it was." Well, yeah, I know, but you're not really like a normal person. You were on the. You still spent about half your day doing your job, and which means well, you're not good at your job. Honestly, uh, either that or he truly was on leave and didn't do anything. Could be that too. Could be. You yeah, know? maybe he doesn't understand <laughs> what his role is. Yeah, maybe he just thinks, oh, oh, whoa, oh, whoa, oh, time out. I thought I was selected uh, to to be Secretary of Transportation because mm-hmm. I'm a non-threatening gay man. And he's like, well, they said, well, yeah, that's why. I said, well, then why should I have to do the work? You know. And I think that's where Kamala comes in. Like, whoa, 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 time out. I was selected to be VP because I'm a black female, right? Well, yeah. Okay, well, then what more do you want? I have fulfilled my part, you know? This is what you get, you know? Yeah, and this is what we've gotten is is a nation. And we are paying Mm -hmm. a dear, dear price for this. Um, Yep. And I am just so ashamed of the media and the the media ratings are tanking, and they should be taking tanking because they move from one story to the next. You know, everything's a crisis. For example, we impeached President Trump twice, once while he was out of office, and four years of listening to how he colluded with the Russians. When's the last time you've ever heard anybody even talk about that, right? Because if he was colluding with the Russians, we should still be talking about it, but he didn't, so we're not talking about it. Uh, hey, uh, did we? Did hey Frank? Let me ask you this: Did we get all of our American citizens out of uh, Afghanistan? Are they? Have they been back? Are they back? Hell, they think that they they they've estimated that there's a possibility of fourteen thousand of them still over. There. Fourteen thousand. When's the last time you, other than us mentioning it right here, right now on the Mark Fine Show? When's the last time you've heard anybody talk about that? You wouldn't even know that Afghanistan existed, or we'd ever been there. Nope. That's my point. That's my point. Yep. We don't talk That's about exactly this stuff. Right. We don't talk about Hunter Biden and what was found on his laptop. We don't talk about anything. And uh, now I will say this, what we are slowly starting to talk about is some of these indictments that uh, Mr. Durham up there is putting together. And so uh, maybe last topic for today, uh, the Durham investigation. What, what, what are your thoughts on that and where are we headed? Uh, hmm. Well, I'll tell you. I'm, I'm, once again, uh, I'm probably going to rain on people's parades. Uh, I think that uh, there is a possibility there'll be more indictments, but it's equally possible that there'll be no more indictments. Mm -hmm. I don't know how deep uh, they're going to let Durham go into uh, the malfeasance of people like McCabe, Comey, Stroke. Uh, you know, Brenner, 
Clapper, any of those stuff. I, I just don't know that the political uh, class have the uh, the guts or the desire to go after the real bad players. We may see a few more other people uh, get jacked up. Uh, you know, I don't know. You know, I, I would love to see the real bad guys get jacked up, but our judicial system is pretty much broke at this point, so yeah. I don't have a whole lot of faith in, in any of it anymore. Well, I do know this, that if there's any hope that this is going to go anywhere, we've got to take the House and the Senate back in 2022. Because for those of you that think that elections don't matter, this one certainly does. Because we're, we're still going to have Biden and, and Harris in the White House, and we're going to have their entire administration, you know, the Attorney General and, and, and everybody else, CIA, Director ODNI, FBI, all that. But at least if we have the House and the Senate, pressure, legitimate pressure can be applied to keep this stuff going on. And that's, this is just one more reason why this needs to go on. Because I will tell you, from my perspective, the last couple of indictments that we've had have demonstrated, if nothing else, if nothing else, that clearly that dossier was a piece of crap. Clearly people lied about it. Clearly the Clintons were involved. Were at the, at the, they were at the impetus of all this. That's pretty damn clear right now. Would you agree with that? Yeah, but I've known that for four years. No, I mean, I'm talking about the rest of the public. I mean, we've known it, but now it's out in the open to the rest of the public. Yeah, okay. Uh, Yeah, we'll see. I guess I take take a different stance. It's sort of like, I know, I I hear what you're saying. I understand what you're saying. But I also look at it like, is there really anybody that didn't know all that? already or strongly suspected i don't i don't think there's any american that you could talk to and say you know something up till now i didn't realize the clintons were involved with this at all <laughs> i think i don't ca- i can't imagine that there's any americans that didn't know that i can't <laughs> imagine that there's any americans that think that this russian collusion thing was nothing but a political hit job so i mean yes i i, I see what you're saying and i know everybody it's talking about, see, this proves it. And it's sort of like, for me, it's like a big yawn. Like, well, yeah, no kidding. I've known that. And pretty much everyone else has known that all along. Honestly, I, and I've said this before, and I'll say it again. Once again, let me go for the trifecta and see if I can depress your listeners anymore. <laughs> uh, Trump screwed up day one when, A, he didn't turn to his attorney general and say, I want Hillary Clinton and all those guys indicted immediately. And if the, his attorney general, which would have been Sessions, said, I can't do that, the next words out of his mouth should have been, you're fired. And then who's, who's your backup? Oh, Rod Rosenstein? Oh, a liberal Democrat? Okay, Rod, you're fired. Who's the next guy? And that's Whitaker, who seemed to be actually a halfway decent uh, yeah. acting AG. And then... And he should have said, okay, now, uh, Comey, he's sitting outside my office. Yeah, have him come in. Hey, Jim, you're fired. You know, and that's what he should have done. But the fact that he didn't pursue prosecution on Hillary and all of them, when he had the wind at his back to do it, and everybody thought he would do it, huge mistake. Yeah, I, know, I mistake. totally agree and with you there. What, and what happened there was when he didn't do that, he sent the message 
whether he intended to or not. Well, I know he didn't intend to, but the message that was sent out to everybody was like, oh, we can get away with pretty much anything. Mm -hmm. And since then, it has gotten exponentially worse about the law breaking and the skullduggery and the different things that goes on because they realize that nothing's going to happen to them. If they had said, if, if Hillary Clinton was, uh, you know, wearing an orange jumpsuit suit right now, doing 15 or so years for espionage, you think half this shit that's going on now would be going on? You think Nadler and all those guys would do the stuff that hell no, they'd be afraid. They'd be scared to death too. But by the fact that he didn't, you know, have the, the foresight to do it. I mean, honestly, I was, I was so shocked and disappointed that he didn't immediately say on day one, I want these guys indicted immediately. That was, that was a huge mistake. It's like, well, he was trying to be nice. Yeah. And that's what got him to be a one term president. Mm -hmm. Good job. Good job. You know, this is not, this is not nice time. Nice time's over with. No, and that's what we were talking about earlier that, you know, Republicans, if you're out there and you're listening and you're you're thinking about running for office or you're supporting someone that is, we've got we have to fight like this is the survival for the nation because that's really what it is. You know, this is yeah. you know, joke time's over. Joke time is over. It is time to be in this thing for real and fight like our the survival of our nation depends on it because really in a lot of ways it does. And I do think that the Trump team uh, there were a lot of lessons learned, you know, from, uh, you know, the first go around and, and hopefully uh, a lot of lessons are going to be learned because there's a lot that needs to be done. So with that, Frank, any final last words before we close out? Well, well, yeah, let me, let me just go through uh, to, to give, to end on a high note, because I've been a very uh, uh, Debbie Downer here. <laughs> let me end on a high note. Let me read you just with the, the Kyle Rittenhouse thing. Let me yeah. read you a few headlines here. Uh, from the Babylon B, just to you know, put everybody in the right frame of mind. Okay, headline one: Rioters flee in terrorists. Kyle Rittenhouse emerges from courthouse with AR-15. Uh, let's see here. Rittenhouse verdict raises concern is no longer safe to beat people to death with a skateboard. <laughs> uh, let's see here. Oh, Biden kills Turkey. He was going to pardon to satisfy liberal bloodlust. Oh, let's see here. What's that? One last one. Uh, Let's see here. Oh, prosecutors tell jurors not to worry about retaliation. Sometimes you just have to take a beating. So there you go. (laughs) Oh, my God. Oh. (laughs) But, you know. uh, Uh, That's funny because there's there's some truth to it. There just is. There's, There's a lot of truth to it. But we're winning, slowly but surely, incrementally, and everybody needs to remember that. We just got to keep pushing, uh, keep your head up, keep going forward. We won in Virginia. We we almost won in in New Jersey until they you know decided to you know uh, break into the the safe where they have all the hidden ballots uh, stored and put those out. You know, so we have to get our election laws fixed. We have to be very diligent. We have to keep a lot of eyes on the next elections coming up and everyone needs to stop being afraid to speak up. You know, there's a reason why all the stuff we see going on is happening because they try, they're trying to demoralize everyone and they're trying to silence them because if you can do, if they can demoralize you to the point, you don't say anything because you don't want to fight back because you know, 
you may end up really having a problem, they've won. And that's, that's right. why they're doing that. And, and that's why that they were so and they, they were so shocked that parents in Loudoun County fought back because it's like that's a de- Democrat enclave. And even they said, no, 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 we're not taking this crap. Mm-hmm. And they didn't know what to do. They had no idea even how to handle it because they're sort of like, dude, you, this is our home. What are you talking about? You know, and this is what it takes. We have to all fight back. Our voice can be counted, but we got to make it count. That's right. That's right. Well, very well said, Frank. I appreciate it. Folks, that is Frank Reynolds, and the podcast is Lies People Tell. Lies People Tell. Check it out. Uh, he's got really great content. A lot of He's funny. Uh, and you know what? And, and it's not all the Babylon Bee, which, who know, you know what? We actually don't know that the Babylon Bee is not true. We don't know that. But anyway, check it out. Lies mm-hmm. People Tell, Frank Runnels. And, uh, of course, this show, the Mark Vines Show, I am Mark Vines. And please check us out. Check out our Facebook site. Check out, uh, we're also on Parlor. We're on Rumble. And as I mentioned earlier, yes, the dreaded, the dreaded Facebook. Check us out there. Give us a like. Give us a follow. Give us to all your friends particularly your liberal friends, if you have any of them left, if you have any uh, liberal friends, please invite them to listen to the show. And we will be talking with you soon as we start to ramp up for the midterm elections. Guys, we can do this, but you have to participate. You have to get involved and keep up the good fight. And we will see you guys next time.